Well, good morning. Welcome to church, everyone. Good to see you guys. Um, it's great to have you all joining us today. And if you're, if you're new here, maybe it's your first time back in a while, I think you picked a really great week to attend church because today we're launching into our brand new series on the topic of love and relationships called I Want a New Marriage. And as we um, investigated potential titles for this series, um, I wrote that title out on some paper in my office, and my wife, um, Julie, was cleaning my desk, and she saw it, and she was like, oh, really? You better not be looking for a new marriage. You're going to be limping into that new marriage. Uh, but that's not what this series is about. We're, we're, we're doing well. We just thought that over the next five weeks um, leading up through Valentine's Day and this uh, month of February, that this was just a great time to look at this topic of love and relationships. And, and whether you're here today and you're married or you're joining us and you are single, um, I think the Bible has some incredible, incredible things to teach us on the topic of relationships. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app on your phone, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to hang out um, a bit this morning. And as you turn there, I just want to uh, take a minute to open us up in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for, for this group of people and this opportunity, Lord God, for us to come before you this morning. Um, Father, I know personally I was just convicted hearing Pastor Jim just share his heart um, this morning with the worship team and to us, Father God. And Lord, I pray that you would not make this business as usual, that you, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to receive what it is that you want to share with us today on this topic, Father God. I pray whether we're here and we're married um, or whether we're here and we're a single person, Father God, or a teenager, um, Lord, I believe that you have some incredible truth to teach us today, um, not just for us to hear and, and walk out of here um, with the rest of our week, but, but something that we can take, that we can apply into our lives so that we can be changed for the better. And God, we're going to give you all the glory, honor, and praise in what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, now, the first week of a series, of a new series, is a little bit of a different week around here because first we've got to kind of look at the big picture of this topic and, and kind of where we're going. And, and then we're going to focus in and get more specific on the message for today. So let me start big picture and just ask you guys a question this morning, show of hands, how many of you guys are married? Can you raise your hand if you're married? Wow, okay, lots of, lots of married people um, in here this morning. That is, that is awesome. So let me ask you married people a follow-up question. And remember, um, we're in church, so try to, to answer as honestly as you possibly can, because I know that kind of the tendency, especially if you kind of grew up in church, the tendency is sometimes not to be completely honest and to just kind of pretend like life is perfect. Um, but as we always say around here, we always say what? That there are no perfect people here, right? We say there are no perfect people here. If you're not Jesus, you just like everybody else. You are still a work in progress. There is still work to be done. So try to be honest with this question. But for those of you who just raised a hand and said you were married, how many of you would be willing to admit this morning that you had an argument with your spouse in the last month, since this new year began, you've had an argument with your spouse. Okay, great. Thank you for your honesty. Almost every, every other hand, every hand that was up before was raised again. Um, now, notice my hand was up as well, okay? Your pastor's hand was up in the air. Um, now, how many of you would say that you've had a significant argument with your spouse in the past week? Can I see a show of hands? 
Okay, less, but a few. Yep, okay, awesome. Thank you for being honest. Now, one more, one more. How many of you would say, on your way to church today, at least in your mind, you cussed out your spouse? Can you raise your hand? <laughs> I, that was a joke. Some of you actually raised a hand. I'm, wow, okay. Um, some jacked up folks in church this morning. That's okay. Speaking of that, uh, one time there was a guy um, who I know who was on his way to church, and, and this woman in a minivan uh, cut him off. And he shouldn't have done it, but he was frustrated, and he just kind of gave her a gesture and told her that she was number one. Um, but then he approached a light, and it turned red, and he had to stop at the light. And this woman in the minivan pulled up right next to him, and she looked over at him, and she returned the favor, okay? And at that point, he rolled down his window, and he just started yelling and screaming at her, and the kids in the back of her minivan looked absolutely shocked. And then when the light turned green, he just kind of floored it and took off. And guess what she did? She floored it and went right after him, following right behind him. I mean, he turned right, she turned right. He turned left, she turned left, and they turned right into our church parking lot. They both wound up attending here. But don't worry, everything's good with me and Julie. We've been working on it. <laughs> things are getting much better. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Actually, things are really great right now um, in, in my marriage. We uh, just got back. We were away the last couple weeks because Julie and I just got back from a couples-only cruise um, without the kids, and it was amazing. We, we hadn't done that. We hadn't done a getaway of just the two of us in about three years, um, just with the transition of moving from Maryland to Maine and, and all of that that's been going on. We just... Um, really didn't have time for it. And so um, we, we had a really great time of rest um, and the time to focus in on our marriage. And for those of you who are married and here today, I just want to highly recommend to all you married couples to take the time to invest in your marriage. But married people, isn't it true that nobody quite knows how to push our buttons the way that our spouse can? Isn't that true? That nobody really knows how to do that like our spouse. But many people go into a marriage blind to some of those kinds of uh, issues that come up in relationships. And I think the reason that many people fail in our nation uh, to see that and the reason many marriages in our nation fail is because more time is often spent preparing for a wedding day than for a marriage. And over the past um, 20 years, I've had the privilege of counseling numerous couples preparing for marriage. In fact, I won't marry a couple unless they're willing to do some premarital counseling. I say, do you want to put the time and effort in now or do you want to deal with divorce attorneys later? Um, but one thing I've told every couple is to remember that the wedding is one day of your life. But a marriage is supposed to last a lifetime. And it requires care and it requires work and it requires effort because of that. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but the average wedding in America today costs about $30,000. The average wedding in America. If you've got daughters like me, I've got three, that's a terrifying thought, okay? But we spend tons and tons of money and effort and time for an event that lasts a couple hours. And most couples walk into a marriage completely unprepared and they move from a wedding day to a war. See, in marriage, there are going to be fights. It doesn't take long after a wedding for your spouse to start to get on your last nerve. And why does this happen? The reason it happens is because marriage isn't a solution to all your problems. Sometimes singles think that. Marriage is, in fact, a magnifier. It, it magnifies all the stuff that's existed 
there all along. See, when two perfect, imperfect sinners get married, you don't get sainthood. You get a lot of baggage and scars and wounds that both people carry into that relationship. And if you're married, or if you one day hope to be married, you've got to understand that. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in this series. Uh, so my question to all of you today as we begin this topic is simply this. If marriage can sometimes be a fight, are you going to choose to fight in your marriage, or are you going to choose to fight for your marriage? Are you going to choose to fight in your marriage or fight for your marriage? Because it's easy. It's so easy to choose to fight in your marriage. If you want to fight in your marriage, all you have to do is start looking at the imperfections of your spouse. That's really all you have to do, and that's not hard, is it? For those of you who are married right now, if I asked you to, to think of three things about your spouse that sometimes annoy you, I'm pretty sure you could come up with it very fast, very quickly. In fact, if my wife was here, she'd probably list 20, okay? I drive her nuts. You guys laugh at my jokes. She doesn't find me funny at all. So it's easy to fight in your marriage. It's easy to look at all the, the imperfections in your spouse and start to critique them and make them out to be the enemy. But if you're going to choose to start to fight for your marriage, well, that's going to take some effort. If you're going to choose to fight for your marriage, well, then you've got to do something a little more difficult. You've got to look into a mirror and you've got to start to ask yourself, what do I need to change about me? Now, the pushback I often hear is, well, you don't know my spouse, Pastor. They're absolutely crazy. Like 99% of the problems in our marriage is because of them. It's their fault. That's awesome. It's probably more like 50%. But let's just assume you married Satan and it's 99% their fault. What would happen if you decided to look in the mirror and work on your 1%? What would happen if you decided that instead of fighting in your marriage, you were going to start to fight for your marriage? Because the reality is your spouse isn't supposed to be your enemy. In fact, Scripture says that your spouse should be your greatest partner in life. And that relationship will come to light when you're able to start humbling yourself and fall on your knees before a holy God and you start to say, search me, mold me, and make me, God, into the person that you're calling me to be. So here's our bottom line that, that we're going to kind of unpack today, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. We've talked about our big idea, but we're going to focus in today on our big idea for, for just this moment, this bottom line, and it's this, that my marriage or future marriage, if you're single, will go beyond my imagination when I focus less on my rights and more on my responsibility. That my marriage or future marriage will go beyond my imagination when I start to focus less on my rights and more on my responsibility. So today we're going to unpack this truth as we explore the first few verses of Philippians chapter 2, written by the Apostle Paul. And we're going to talk about three things we need to do if we're really going to start to focus on our responsibility in a relationship instead of our rights. And number one is this, if you're taking notes, number one is this, we've got to walk with Jesus. We've got to walk with Jesus. If you're going to make it in a marriage, Sometimes you're going to need divine intervention. Amen, married people? Sometimes you're going to need that. Because most all of us step into a marriage with a lot of unrealistic expectations. And again, let's be honest today because it's okay to not be okay and still be a part of this church. Let me ask all the men a question. Men, if you can be very, very honest this morning. When most men get married, 
what is the number one thing they're thinking about? You guys are laughing right now because you know, right? It's the honeymoon, right? They're thinking about the honeymoon. And, and, and I know this is church, and the answer to most questions that a pastor asks is, is Jesus, but the correct answer here is not Jesus. The correct answer is sex, okay? That's what's going through the mind of most men when they get married. And I know there might be a guy with us today, and he's dating somebody, and he goes, baby, that's not me. I'm not like that. That's not me at all. He's lying, okay? He's lying to you right now, okay? And, and look, I was a student pastor for many years, so uh, for about a decade. So I've talked to a lot of teenagers, I've talked to a lot of college students on the topic of, of purity, and I've had single guys say, well, well, purity's easy for you, pastor, because you're married. You can get that whenever you want. Single guys, the people who are chuckling right now are the married men, okay? Because they know it's really whenever she wants, right? But look, intimacy in marriage is awesome. It's a great thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a dirty thing. It's a, it's a gift of God. But guys, if that's all you're hoping to get out of a marriage relationship, you're missing out. If that's all you're hoping to get, you're totally missing out. Because what are you going to do with the other 23 hours and 59 minutes in your day? But too many guys go into a marriage falsely thinking that she exists solely to meet all my needs. That's why she exists. And guess what, guys? You're wrong. You're wrong. Now, women, you can be guilty of this too. Because maybe you watched too many Disney princess movies growing up or episodes of The Crown, and you think that your perfect Prince Charming is going to come and sweep you off your feet and, and take you to his palace and give you a happily ever after. Do you know why most Disney movies end at the wedding? Because a year later, that thing is in shambles, okay? But many women think he's going to be my perfect prince, and he's going to rescue me, and he's never going to disappoint me, and he's always going to be there for me, and he's going to talk to me all the time, and he's going to listen to me when I want to share something with him, and he's going to talk out his feelings with me, and he's going to know my every thought, and he's going to read every book that I give him to help him be a better husband for me, because it's all about me. Women, that man exists somewhere between a leprechaun and a unicorn, okay? The only one who can truly fulfill you like that and really always be there for you and never leave you and never fail you is not your husband, it's Jesus. Paul said it like this in Philippians 2, verse 1. He said, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. And so the Apostle Paul in that verse really gives us a checklist of four things we can do to evaluate our love relationships and see if we're really walking with Christ. And if you're currently married or if you're dating someone, I would challenge you, you know, to go home and have a conversation, to go out on a date with your partner and talk about these things and evaluate together. Hey, how are we doing with what the Apostle Paul said? How are we doing with these things in our current relationship? And the first one, again, is this from this passage, encouragement, encouragement. Is there encouragement in your relationship? Men, do you encourage your wife on a consistent basis? Do you speak kindly to her and about her? Because for some reason, it's so common in our culture today for men to, to just crack on their wives and make fun of their wives, even in public settings. 
A group of guys are hanging out together. There's always one guy who starts complaining about the old ball and chain. And then there are even guys who, who will say horrible things about their spouse right in front of her just to try to, you know, draw some cheap laughs from his buddies. Men, let me tell you something. That type of behavior is not going to draw her heart towards you. And if you're doing that on a regular basis, you're a fool. Do you know why? Because when you crack on your wife, you're actually hurting yourself. Again, you and your spouse are supposed to be on the same team. You're not two, but you're one in the eyes of a holy God. So when you break her down, you're actually harming yourself in God's eyes. And for those of you men here today who claim to be followers of Jesus, how you speak to your wife and how you talk about her to other people can not only impact her life and, and impact your marriage, but it can also direct other people to God. I guarantee you, if you start building up your spouse with your words, other men will notice. And they'll start to ask you questions. Why? Because that's very unusual in this day and age. And then you might have an opportunity to share Jesus with them and have an impact in their lives. Women, are you a constant source of encouragement in the life of your husband? Because there's not a man in this room today who doesn't need a little bit more encouragement from his wife. See, I, sometimes I'm a people pleaser and I get affected by words or comments or things that people, people say to me or write an email to me or shoot me a text or whatever it might be. But, but it doesn't matter what anybody else really says to me if I know that my wife loves me and that she admires me. Women, your words are powerful. And my wife, Julie, she intentionally does this in my life. When she notices I'm stressed or feeling down or anxious or depressed, she's someone who will encourage me with a hug or a kind word or she'll shoot me a text and, and say, I love you, I believe in you. And just little gestures like that can lift my spirit and make me feel unstoppable. You show me a man whose wife believes in him, and I'll show you a man who believes that he can do anything. Women, do you encourage your husbands? Now, the pushback is, well, if he did anything worth encouragement, I would probably encourage him. And if that's your response, guess what? You're still focusing on your rights. And, and come on, women, there are things that you can find about him that you can encourage him about. Encourage him when he does the dishes. Say, baby, when you wash those plates, mm, you look good. He'll be washing dishes every night. You won't even get to finish drinking that glass. He'll grab it from you. Need that, you need that cup washed? I'll do that for you. Number one is encouragement. Number two from this passage, comfort. Comfort. Is there comfort in your marriage? Men, when you walk into your house, does your wife feel comfort or does she sense conflict? Are you a source of comfort in your marriage? But pastor, you don't know my wife. She's crazy. She might be, sir. She married you. But men, it's our job to work to bring consistent comfort into the life of our spouse. Women, do you bring comfort into his life? Is he excited to see you or does he dread it? Are you someone who constantly yells and screams and slams things? And I've heard some women try to justify that. They say, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm emotional. No, you're sinful. Because there are a lot of amazing, incredible women all over this world who don't play emotional mind games with their spouse. 
In fact, you know what the Bible says about women like that in Proverbs 21, 19? It says that it's better to live in the desert than with a quarrelsome wife. That it's better to live in a place with no water where things die than to live in an environment like that. Number three, fellowship and sharing. Fellowship and sharing. Are you constantly looking for ways to spend more time with your spouse or less? See, many men walk into a marriage and they think, okay, now I'm going to get my physical needs met and I'm going to maintain my single lifestyle. And that's wrong. There are guys who are more passionate about spending time with their buddies or their sports team or their golf clubs than they are about spending time with their spouse. Man, your wife needs you to be present. And if you've got kids, they need you to be present. And and I'm not saying it's bad to have hobbies, okay? It's okay to have hobbies. But other than God, she should come first in your life. And here's an idea. Why not create some new hobbies that you could actually enjoy together? Single men, are, are you pursuing a woman? Why not discover some things that she actually enjoys doing and participate? Who knows? You might actually like Downton Abbey. It's not a bad show. And single women, don't lie to a guy about what you enjoy. I actually had a buddy in college who told me that his girlfriend said she loved watching him play Xbox all day. I said, dude, she's either mentally unstable or a liar because nobody wants to watch you play Xbox all day. Women, just be honest. Say, you know, this isn't really my thing, but I'm willing to try this. I'm willing to do this because what you like matters to me. And let me also share with you some things that I like. Number four, compassion and tenderness. Compassion and tenderness. I've had people say, Pastor, what if I notice something in my spouse that's destructive and I want to talk to them about it? You should talk to them about it. Notice I said them, not your women's group. Guys, not the guys at work or your mother. If you have a problem with your spouse, the first person you should speak to about that is your spouse. And you should speak to them with compassion and tenderness. The Bible says it is God's kindness that draws us to repentance, that he is patient with us. We need to start being like that with our spouse. And do you know how you do that? You realize that you're not perfect either. In our 21 years of marriage, Julie and I have both screwed up at times. We've hurt one another. We've made large purchases without communicating with one another. We've gotten speeding tickets and dented cars and married a, made a bad parenting decision on our own and, and said hurtful things in an argument. And it's easy sometimes to focus in on our spouse's mistakes and completely discount our own. I mean, Jesus actually talked about this in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, where he said, stop looking at some sawdust in somebody's eye while you have a big plank sticking out of yours. Our spouses will make mistakes. Bills will go unpaid. Chores will get skipped. Promises will get broken. But how we respond in those situations is in our control. When we respond with tenderness and compassion, we're truly walking with Jesus. Number one, we've got to walk with Jesus. Number two is this, we've got to see like Jesus. We've got to see like Jesus. Why? Because we're different. Because we're different. So we've got to look at each other through the lens 
of the way that Jesus would look at us. One of the things that, uh, that I hate is when couples come to me and they say they're thinking about getting a divorce, and I ask why, and they say, well, we're just too different, Pastor. Yes, you're different. I'm glad you survived fifth grade biology to figure that out. I told you guys earlier that, that Julie and I just came back from taking a vacation together with no kids. Uh, we actually went on a cruise to the Caribbean. And for this trip, we did some things a little differently. Here's how I packed for this trip. I packed a couple pairs of boxers and socks, four t-shirts and four shorts, one swimming trunk, one pair of jeans, one pair of shoes, and two dress shirts for the two fancy dinner nights on board. And I totally felt like I overpacked for this trip, okay? Julie, on the other hand, is a little bit different. She packed 10 pairs of shoes and a dozen dresses so she would have options for fancy dinner night. Then she complained she didn't have enough sweaters because we had one chilly day in Orlando on the way there. We're different. When men have a hard day, sometimes we wanna go shoot something, right? We'll go to the gun range, we'll hang out at Cabela's. Uh, for women, sometimes they wanna take a bubble bath. I've never heard a guy say, you know, I had a hard day. I'm gonna go home, fill up the bathtub, light some candles, listen to some Michael Buble and have myself a Buble bath. Never heard that. Newsflash, we're different, but we can be like-minded in Christ. We can be like-minded in Christ. Philippians 2, verse 2, moving on to verse 2, it says this, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Been talking to the married people a lot this morning. I want to switch to the singles for a minute. Because singles, I, I see many of you singles violate this verse on a regular basis in your dating life. Singles, I want to challenge you this morning. Singles, you can't say you're like-minded with the same love, one in spirit and mind, if you love Jesus, but the person you're dating does not. And I've heard every excuse in the book in over 20 plus years of pastoral ministry. Well, she's got potential. Well, I can change him. No, you can't. Only God can. And nine times out of 10, you're the one who's gonna change. And you're gonna wind up compromising your beliefs and values. Well, they say they believe in God. The, the Bible says in the book of James that the demons believe in God and tremble. So is that your standard? That they just need to believe in God like a demon? Mom, here's my boyfriend. His name's Lucifer, right? Here's another one I hear. Well, they love God. They just don't like church. Jesus is the head of the church. So that's a problem. And look, I'm a dad of five kids. I got three daughters, two sons, and they mean the world to me. So maybe I'm a little bit biased with this. But since each and every one of them were born, my wife and I have prayed over their lives. We've prayed for them. We've prayed for their future. We've prayed even for the future partners that God might bring into their life. And I tell my kids above looks and above wealth, and above all these other criteria, the number one thing you should look for in a potential life partner is do they love Jesus with all their heart? Is he the first love of their life? 
My youngest daughter, Cassidy, she's 13 now. But many years ago, like most little girls, uh, she started talking about getting married one day. And she would dress up in little dresses and things like that and talk about wanting to get married. When she was about five years old or so, um, she came up to me and she said, she said, Daddy, I'm going to get married someday. And I said, that's awesome, Cass. When, when do you think you want to get married? And she thought for a second. She said, Daddy, I'm going to get married when I'm 15. And I said, heck to the no, you're not going to get married when you're 15. I will find that little boy and kill him. In fact, all the dads of daughters here today, can you raise your hand? Can you hold them up high? Look around the room. These are men who could snap you in half if you messed with their daughter. Amen, men? And as a father of daughters, I want to challenge all of the single guys in our church. I want to challenge you. I, I, I want to see the single guys of our church, the single men of this church, choose to love Jesus with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. Because if you do that, and if you choose a like-minded woman who loves Jesus the same way, you're going to have the potential for an incredible marriage that will last a lifetime. Now, married people, you want to see God move in your marriage? I want to give you a challenge as well. And you might have to wake up about five minutes early each day this week in order to do this. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. This week, I want to challenge you to wake up early and read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 each morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11 each morning. And then I want you to pray these two prayers as you start your day. Prayer number one, Jesus, I want you to show me where I fall short with my spouse. Where do I fall short as a spouse? Help me to look in the mirror and see myself. Show me where I fall short as a spouse. That's a hard prayer to pray, but it will move you from thinking about your rights to thinking about your responsibility. And then the second prayer is this, and we'll throw them both up on the screens. The second prayer is this, Jesus, help me to see my spouse today through your eyes. Jesus, help me to see my spouse today through your eyes. And when you do that, you will no longer see your spouse as your servant meant to meet all your needs, but instead you'll start to see an opportunity to actually serve someone who you love. Try it for a week. It might change your marriage. Number three, last one. Number three, we've got to be like Jesus. We've got to be like Jesus. Let's end today by looking at Philippians 2, uh, verse 3, and it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Let me ask you something as we, as we start to close today. Would your spouse ever accuse you of being too much like Jesus? The next time you had an argument, would your spouse say, would you quit acting so much like Jesus? You act like Jesus all the time. If the answer is no, then guess what? You still have work to do on yourself. And it begins when we stop looking at our rights and our demands in a relationship, and instead we start to focus on our responsibility. That's what Jesus did. 
continuing in verse 5, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself to the position of a servant, and God the Father elevated him to a place beyond our imagination. You want to see your marriage go to a place beyond your imagination? Live like Jesus. Take the form of a servant and focus on your responsibilities in the relationship instead of always demanding your rights. And let God lift your marriage up as you start to fight for your marriage instead of just fighting in a marriage. My prayer for this series is that for all of us here, that we would start to place Jesus at the center of our lives personally and at the center of our dating relationships, at the center of our marriages if we're married, and that our lives and our relationships would begin to orbit around him. Because when we get to that place, he will do unbelievable things through us and through our love relationships. Church, can we pray together this morning with heads bowed, eyes closed? Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today from the teaching of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2. Father God, then give us the courage to actually take action, to start to apply your word into our lives so that our lives and that our relationships can be changed for the better. God, we want to be a people who walk with Jesus. We want our relationships to be filled with encouragement and comfort, fellowship and sharing, compassion and tenderness. God, we want to start to see like Jesus when we, when we look at and when we interact with our spouse, even during difficult times, even during disagreements. God, help us to be able to look at them through your eyes. And God, we want to be like Jesus as we stop focusing in on our rights, but instead we humble ourselves and we focus on our responsibilities. God, I pray that there would be men and women married couples, singles, even teenagers in this room this morning, Father God, and watch it online, who would be up for that challenge. Who would say, God, I, I want to live differently than culture around me. God, I want to start focusing not just on my needs and my desires and my rights and what I want and just living relationships with selfishness. God, I want to live relationships with humility and sacrifice. Help me be able to love the way you want me to love, Jesus. And God, I pray that you would honor those decisions today. You would honor those who are going to take some time in their life in the next week to, to get up a little bit early and open up their Bible and read 11 verses of Scripture and pray for their spouse. God, that would be a catalyst to some incredible change in the weeks and months and years ahead. That you would just take 
some relationships in this church to places beyond our imagination. God, for the singles here today, that that they would make you their first love. That they would make that the criteria, the number one criteria for anyone they considered being a life partner. That you would be the love of their life too. God, I pray that you would honor those decisions as well. Lord, we love you and we lay all of our relationships at your feet this morning. And give us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to take action. We pray these things today in your son's name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Can we stand together and continue to, to just celebrate our amazing God, creator of love, and celebrate this morning. with us.
virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray blessings upon these, your people, this morning. Father God, I pray that, that we would live out incredible relationships of love that would go to places beyond our imagination. God, because we choose to, to walk like Jesus and and see like Jesus, Lord God, and live like Jesus in our relationships, in our lives. Father, again, help us to, to focus less on our rights and our selfishness and more on our responsibilities in a way that we can be a reflection of your son in the relationships that we hold so dear to our heart. And again, I pray that you would bless marriages, that you would bless our singles here today. Father God, that you would us to be able to seek out incredible, incredible relationships that honor you, and that it will light the way for even people around us in our lives to be able to see you. God, we give you all the honor and glory and praise today in advance for the things you're doing and what you will continue to do in the lives of your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have an amazing week leading up to Valentine's Day weekend next weekend, and that we'll see you guys back next Sunday as we continue in part two of I Want a New Marriage. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God